Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Welcome to our GSP Ace of the Day presented by Turn of Tennis. Folks, there's only one grip you can recognize by sight. The moment you see that iconic blue color gripped on the butt of someone's racket, you know they're rocking Turn of Tennis grips, and you can be as well. If you would like to join the Turn of Tennis family, you can contact them by emailing sales at uniquesports.com or calling 800-554-3707. You mentioned the fact that we here at Crack Racket sent you. They'll hook you up with college pricing. They'll hook you up with free samples. They'll treat you like family, which is all we can ever ask of our sponsors. We are so grateful from the support we get from our friends at Tennis. I should say for the support we get from them, the least we can do, ask you to support them as well. Sales at UniqueSports.com or call 800-554-3707. Again, we here on this segment give out picks. What is my pick? Turna Tennis Grips. If they're good enough for my sweaty ass, they're certainly going to be good enough for you. Contact sales at uniquesports.com or call 800-554-3707. Speaking of picks, though, you came here to hear my selection for my day five match ace of the day picks, of course. Before we do that, let's recap how we've done thus far. Overall, we're eight, seven, and three through the first four days of play at the 2021 Wimbledon. Those three outstanding bets, the three futures we made on day one. Djokovic to win the men side, minus 125, five units to win four. Of course, we also threw a unit on both Berrettini or Zverev to emerge from that quarter. Both of them had plus odds, and it really does feel like those two are on a collision course in the quarterfinal round. So I'm still feeling pretty good about all three of those. You look at that eight and seven mark in our completed selections. That's good enough for plus 3.16 units. Again, we're always celebrating being here in the positives at Crack Rackets. That was my guarantee sheet to all of you listeners going into this Wimbledon that we were going to end in the positives. I think we are going to be doing so. You look at the results yesterday, two and two overall. Not great. You're not calling mom. You're not saying, hey, put this report card on the fridge. I'm two and two, but certainly you're paying the bills or at least we're advancing to the next day. We're plus 0.99 overall on the day. That was on the backs of two of our parlays hitting our two on the day, a Kerber Hercats money line parlay. Now, Kerber made us sweat it out. That three set match against Sarah Cerebos Tormo, probably the match of the day on day four. And of course, if you would like to hear a recap of all the action happening day in, day out on the the grounds at Wimbledon. Tune on over to our mini break podcast, but ultimately Kerber able to advance, win that match over Cerebus Tormo in three sets. Hubi Hercots, fantastic today. Three set victory, straight sets over Marcos Giron. That was minus 112, 1.5 units to win 1.36. Our other winner, Barbara Krejcikova, the 2021 French Open champion. Still unproven on the grass courts, but her well-rounded game, always
always going to lead, in my opinion, to her having success in the early rounds. Minus 345 felt like a bargain, even against a grass court. I don't want to say specialist, but someone good on the grass courts in Andrea Petkovic. Krejcikova wins in straights. And then our guy Cam Norrie delivers another victory for us, the former college tennis number one straight set win over Alex Bolt. He was minus 278 to do so. Given the challenger success Bolt had in the lead up to this Wimbledon, you can understand why it was a tight money line, but they both deliver. And that was minus 134, 1.5 units to win 1.13. Unfortunately, are two other wagers on the day over two and a half sets in Putin save of Bedosa. That was just that was a bad call. Bedosa took it too. Yulia Putin save a four and one there. I did say I think Putin save needs to get the first set, otherwise this bet's not going to hit. Not to say I was correct in a in a loss because I wasn't correct, uh, but ultimately Bedosa in straight sets and then. I don't feel bad about picking Marta Kostyuk plus 114 over Sevastova, one unit to win 1.14. Now, ultimately, some of you may say, well, we saw Sevastova beat Kostyuk three sets on grass in the lead up to this Wimbledon. Why didn't you think she was going to do it again? Because that match was really freaking close. And, you know, Marta Kostyuk, in my opinion, one of the rising stars in the women's game. And when she won the first set 6-1, I was feeling damn good about the pick. I don't regret making the selection. Ultimately, Sevastova. Stova, this surface brings out her best tennis. She's able to win the match in three sets. Again, it was a more for me a, a bet on Kostyuk's rising form, her continued excellence, than a bet against Sevastova, but Sevastova proving why she has had so much success on this surface, why she was the favorite entering that match. Again, that had us 2-2, two and two, up 0.99 overall on the day, 8-7-3 and three overall, up 3.16 units for this 2021 Wimbledon win. With that in mind, Friday, July 2nd brings to us the start of third round action in both the gentlemen's and ladies' singles draw. Here are my selections on day five for my GSP ace of the day picks. Let's start with the money lines. I only have one money line for you, and it's very similar to the Kostyuk pick. And again, that was a bet on the rising form of Kostyuk over the experience of Sevastova. I think I have an even stronger case in picking this next-gen underdog over his, in this case, seeded favorite tomorrow. And that's young American Sebastian Corda, who enters as a minus 107 underdog tomorrow against Dan Evans. And that minus 107, him being an underdog, speaks to the fact odds makers, the forecast, everyone thinks this match against Dan Evans is going to be a toss-up. And certainly... You look from the Dan Evans side of the equation. He's done his part as he enters this match, the number 22 seed straight set win over the always dangerous on a grass court, Feliciano Lopez. I don't care about his age. He gets through that. Lopez, a lefty, into a one-handed backhand. You think that could be troubles there, but no. Ultimately, Evans advancing in straights, delivering us, by the way, an ace of the day victory. So thank you to Dan Evans. And then gets through Dusan Lajevic. The Deuce in straight sets 3-3 three, three, and 4 round 2. You look in the warm-up to this event. He played the Nottingham Challenger just to get some matches on, on the grass courts under his belt. I think that's a great decision for him. He got wins over Kokonakis and Ebden in tight matches. And those are two you know, top 100 guys, dangerous guys you'd see in the first week of a slam. He then lost in three sets to Dennis Kudla, and you're saying, well, that was a challenger loss. Okay, Dennis Kudla's in the third round of Wimbledon, about to face off against Novak Djokovic. I think we can understand a three-set loss, 6-4, 1-6, 6-4. Yeah, that's a pretty tight match. Then goes to Queens Club, beats Popperin, 
beats an in-form Manorino, as we saw against Federer before getting knocked out, tiebreaker, and then 6-3, so 7-6, 6-3 against Berrettini. As mentioned, he beats Lopez, the deuce here at Wimbledon. You look for him overall. He's playing some of, if not the clear best tennis of his career at 31 years old, currently ranked number 26. That's one off his career high of number 25, which he reached a week ago. Look for him in his last 52, 26 and 21 overall. The big standout moment, the run to the semifinals in Monte Carlo. He beats Djokovic, Hercats, and Goffin on the clay before losing to Tsitsipas. Of course, he got a title earlier in the year, one of the warm up events at the Australian Open, beating FAA, Chorich, Chardy, Garonne, who have all had, well, Chorich aside, pretty solid years. Semifinals in Antwerp, in Vienna as well. I mentioned the quarterfinals at Queen's Club. He solidified himself as a top 30 player. All of the metrics suggest as much. You look right now at the ELO ratings for Dan Evans here in terms of his 2021 results. Dan Evans' ELO rating backs up that ranking. You look for him here. Again, 2021, Dan Evans currently number 32 via ELO rating. I means he should be a guy who's seated at the slams. And while certainly uh, you would say clay court's not going to be the best portion of his season, maybe you'd question it on that surface. On the grass courts, Dan Evans has always thrived. 79 and 49 in his career on the surface. That's a 62% win percentage. It's, uh, you know, obviously a surface he has had a ton of success on. I mentioned uh, the quarterfinals he made here, but you could look back. He actually won the Nottingham Challenger and the Surbiton Challenger back to back in 2019 as he was making his comeback back on tour. You look for him earlier in his career, back when there were futures events on grass courts. He won a couple of them in Great Britain. He's just always had success on the surface. And again, the fact that he's played, what is that, 128 matches now on grass courts in his career, that is not a number many can match. His creativity, his ability to play first strike, that slice, the way it cuts through a quick grass court, uh, his ability to go down the line, his willingness to move forward, it makes sense why he would have success on this surface. His serve amplified on the surface. He's never the best returner, but it's not too uh, much poorer on this surface either. Dan Evans is playing good tennis. And I know that that's a deep breakdown for just one money line pick here, but that's all to say I get why you would be concerned. But here are the numbers for Sebastian Corda, and here's why I feel comfortable in the pick. A, 40 and 15 in his last 52. That's a 73% win percentage. When you're winning 73% of your matches, generally you are a top 20 player on the ATP Tour. And while he's currently ranked 50, which is a career high, you look at all of the advanced metrics for Sebastian Corda. Overall ELO rating right now, Sebastian Corda number 21, Dan Evans number 32. 2021 specific ELO rating right now, Sebastian Corda number 20 on the back of a 22 and 11 record, Dan Evans number 32. You look at the tennis abstract leaderboard, hold percentage, Sebastian Corda right now 27th in hold percentage, Dan Evans four spots behind him in 31st. Again, he's top 30 server. You think that's impressive right now in terms of break percentage, how frequently he He's breaking serve. Sebastian Corda currently 11th. Dan Evans solid in that 22 range, but again, you look at all the metrics amongst top 50 players. Sebastian Corda is better at holding serve. Sebastian Corda is better at breaking serve, and that reflects what I've seen with my eyes as well. You look for Corda here. He's only played five professional grass court matches in his career, but has wins now over Nishikori, Bautista Agud, and Demonauer. Followed up that Demonauer win in the second round with a convincing straight set win over Antoine Huang, a guy he should beat, but who's got a bunch of firepower, and again, he just hits through, and you look for Sebastian Corda now in his career, or the last 52 weeks, 
nine and seven against top fifty players, four and four against top twenty players, two and two against top ten players. Those are the metrics of a guy who belongs in the top thirty, if not honestly the top twenty of the world rankings. I think he gets there sooner than later, barring an injury. I don't think he drops out of the top fifty till well into the twenty thirties. I am all on the Corda bandwagon, and again. He's got the big serve to give Evans difficulties to just fire serve after serve after serve into that backhand to set up the plus one ball. He's got plus one pace and a comfort level moving forward that if Evans throws him garbage, he's not going to be flummoxed and trapped in the midcourt. He'll move forward on that ball. He'll get to the net. He'll be decisive. And, you know, again, I also think he's got the discipline that the slices of Evans aren't going to flummox him. And this is just a match I'm really excited for. This is the fun with the third round. Yes, the degree of difficulty is certainly raised as we get a bunch of top 32 players in the world. I think both Evans and Corder are top 32 players in the world right now. It makes sense that they're playing in the third round, the round of 32, going head-to-head. This is a match that should be close. But I like the underdog here. The metrics suggest it. I think the eye test Corder's power, his discipline, and I don't think Evans has the bit big enough weapon to expose perhaps the current weakest part of Corda's game, which is he's just not fully physically developed. Give me Corda minus 107 in this match. We're going to throw one unit on it to win 0.94. Again, Evans has played very well of late. This is a bet on the rising tide that is Sebastian Corda. Guy has been an absolute stud, and I mentioned those numbers. 9-7 and seven against top 50, 4-4 four and four against top 20, 2-2 two two against top 10. For the record, Dan Evans, 12-15 and 15 against top 50, 6-7 and seven against against top 21 in 5 against top 10. I just think Corda's got the biggest bigger weapons in this match. We're going to play on his terms. Give me Corda over Evans minus 107, one unit on that to win 0.94. That's ace of the day number 1. Aces of the day 2 and 3 are a couple of over under bets and I won't lie, the over unders have bit me in the derriere a bit of late. Certainly, you look at some of the results we hit. Uh we didn't hit on the Nishikori uh Popperin over. We didn't hit yesterday on the Putin Seva over in her match, but uh, against Paula Badosa, but. I just think the further this event goes, the more likely we're going to have to have matches go the distance, and I think we're getting a bunch of players who are all playing really well, and when you don't have a clear pick, pick the distance, pick the match to be tightly contested, I think on the women's side tomorrow, we have two matches that fall under that category. Ludmilla Samsonova has been Outstanding, And her sample size of grass court matches suggests all she does is win. 14-3 and three in her career now on grass courts. That includes the title in Berlin in the warm-up to this event where she beat Konya, Vandrusova, Kudermatova, Keys, Azarenka, and Bencic. You look at this Wimbledon, she's beat the always powerful, always dangerous Kaya Kanepi. She then plays a fantastic second-round match against Jess Pegula, faces a bunch of adversity in her service games in that third set, but ultimately ends up winning 6-3 in the third You know, again, is this the first third round for her at a major? Yes, it is. But has she been one of the 10 best players on a grass court here in 2021? Absolutely. And that's a really narrow sample size. She's been one of the 10 best players for three weeks. I'm not saying she's one of the 10 best players on tour. I'm saying her length, her power, her comfort level on this surface. She has looked as good as any player you have seen compete on grass here in 2021. But again, the further we go in this Grand Slam, the more Samsonova 
Nova's inexperience and just the, uh, the, the, the higher the degree of difficulty of match as well. And you look for Samsonova, who has had success in her last 52 weeks. She's 34 and 20, certainly the run in Berlin and here in Wimbledon now that she's won, what, two qualifying matches plus five, so seven, nine consecutive matches on a grass court. Certainly that's going to help your number. But, you know, she came through qualifying in Miami. She came through qualifying or got in as a lucky loser in Parma and won a couple of matches. She's gone the tough routes, comes through qualifying in Palermo in the first event back of the season. She comes through the Australian Open qualifying to get into the bubble there and ends up winning a first-round match over Paula Bedosa. Samsonova has played exceptional tennis of late. She deserves to be in a third-round stage, particularly as grass courts seem to be the powerful 22-year-old's best surface, but now she gets a very much informed Sloane Stevens, and believe me, it's surprising coming out of my mouth as well, but the numbers don't lie. Sloane Stevens, 13-6 and six since the start of the clay court season. She made semifinals in Parma. She made round of 16 in Roland Garros. She beat Kvitova first round, and yes, it was not Kvitova's best tennis, but Stevens took it to her. Stevens made her beat, uh, made Kvitova beat her. She didn't give her anything for free, and she was really good in the corners. Physically, she's locked in. You look in her matches, she's been making over 73% of her first serves, dating back to the start of that run in Parma. She's just locked in right now. She puts a ton of pressure on you, and I will say against Pagula, Samsonova had some streaks of errors. And given the stage, we're in a round of 32 match. She's competing for her first second week at a Grand Slam. Meanwhile, Stevens has been here before, and the confidence she's exuding on court is contagious. I just think this match has all of the ingredients of a match that goes the distance. And at plus 140 odds, I'm willing to throw half a unit on it. Again, Samsonova, if she plays her best, could win this match in straights. Or if she blinks, Stevens wins in straights. And just the moment gets to Samsonova and all the tennis she's played over the past two weeks start to finally add up. But I think this match goes the distance. I think this one ends up being really fun as well. Give me the over two and a half sets in Steven Samsonova plus 140.5 units to win point seven, That's over under number one. The other over belongs to perhaps the match of the day. Garbine Muguruza taking on Own Jabour. Those are two players in the top 15 club. If you aren't familiar with what that means, Tennis Abstract Stats Leaderboard, who are the top 15 players in both hold percentage and break percentage. Only four players meet that category. Igor Sviantek, still alive in Wimbledon. Arena Sabalenka, number two seed, still alive in Wimbledon. Garbine Muguruza and Onjabur still alive and now playing head-to-head tomorrow in Wimbledon. I mean, I don't have to go through all of the numbers because they're all exceptional. Muguruza, 34-12 and 12 in her last 52, 34-18 and 18 in her career on grass, but let's not forget she was the 2017 Wimbledon champion. You look for her overall. Uh, she's 1-0 in her career against Onjabur, but that was a match she won 3-6, 6-3, at the start of last season, right, right before Jabur really started to make her breakthrough run. Of course, you look for Shabur. She's 43 and 17 in her last 52, fresh off of her first WTA title of her career in Birmingham on the grass in the warm up to this event. You look at who she's beaten of late Fernandez, Potapova, Watson, Kasikina, uh, Vondrusova, and you know, loses three sets to Ostapenko. But Ostapenko is the third favorite right now, according to odds makers and the tennis abstract forecast, to win this event. Point being, Onjabur, exceptional grass court player. She's number four in Tennis Abstract's advanced statistic, their grass court ELO rating. You look for her in her career, 39-14 and 14 on the grass courts. 
considering, you know, again, you filter out uh, for only WTA-level matches, that number's not going to look as gaudy, but she has played over 50 matches on the surface, and she's won over 70% of them. That is the sort of pedigree you are looking for. She, I wouldn't say it quite matches Muguruza, who's won Wimbledon, but certainly recent form. They've both been exceptional. Muguruza looks healthy. She cruised through her first two matches against Fiona Farrow and Leslie Kirkov, and certainly those were, those were a kind draw, but you look for Onjibur, she had Venus Williams last round, Rebecca Pedersen beforehand. Both of them had some time to find their bearings. Both of them come into this match in excellent form. This is going to be a battle. Both have length. Both have power. Both can counterpunch. Both can move well. Both will move forward. Jabour probably a better volleyer, but Muguruza probably a little bit more pop from the ground. I think this match goes the distance, and I hope it does. I'm looking for an excuse to watch three sets of it. Let's take the over two and a half sets in this Muguruza-Jabour battle as well at plus 135. Again, only half a unit on these over-unders because I've been burned by them of late, but another half unit on the over two and a half sets in Muguruza-Jabour plus 135.5 units to win .67. Of course, I've got one last ace for you. As always, it's a parlay. You're not getting out of an ace of the day segment without a parlay, but all of you listeners already know that. Let's talk. uh, Let's start with our women's money lines. The closest one and the one that juiced the odds in this parlay, Elena Rabakina uh, against Shelby Rogers. Rabakina minus 180, and there's a lot of power in that battle. And when you've got a high power, a very powerful match, certainly it's also a high variance match. But you look for Elena Rabakina right now, she is a top 10 odds maker's favorite to win this event. You look for her 20 to 1 odds. That's currently 8th on the list via our friends at DraftKings. I mean, there's a reason she's a favorite in this match, and she started to play her best tennis again. You look for her here, uh, Rabakina, with the win she had uh, in her last round straight sets and just looked comfortable over Claire Lou. It it looked like she belonged as someone who just comfortably gets to the second week, who just kind of cruises through those early rounds. And certainly, you look uh, for her again, a win over Kiki Mladenovic 4-0 in the first round as well. You look for her in Eastbourne. She beat Sevastova. She beat Svitolina before getting knocked out by Ostapenko in the semifinals. But look, Rabakina is a top five and hold percentage server in the women's game. And she faces someone else who's in the top 15 in Shelby Rogers. But you know, again, the small sample size we have for Rabakina, I love the way her game, that decisiveness, that power, her, her uh, again, aggressiveness as a returner, how it translates to this surface. You look for Shelby Rogers, certainly the win she's gotten this week, uh, uh, the win she got over Maria Sakari in that round of 64, that is an impressive 7-5, 6-4 victory, and she served extraordinarily well in this match, but you know, grass courts have always been something she struggled with. She's just never looked comfortable as a mover. I think the power tennis of Rabakina exposes that lack of comfort on this surface, and I just think Rabakina is going to be able to put a little bit more pressure on Rogers easily than uh, Maria Sakari was able to do. I'm also, again, just riding the hot hand. I think Rabakina has played really well. Minus 180 feels a little bit low, and again, as the degree of difficulty increases, you're going to have to make some tough choices. Rabakina over Rogers is my tough choice today. That's leg number one. Leg number two, Golubic minus 375 over Brangle. And I know Brangle coming off of a win over Sonia Kennan. Certainly, I got burned once before by her. Burn me once, shame on you. Burn me twice, shame on me. But Golubic's been exceptional. 
45 and 18 in our last 52. Yes, there's been a lot of ITF level action mixed into those results, but 11 9 in the third over Kudermatova round one, 2 0 over Collins in round two. You look for her in the lead up to this. Eastbourne, she comes through qualifying to make the quarterfinals, actually beat Madison Brangle there, was a 4 6 6 3 6 love victory, but. She's just got the power advantage in this match. And, you know, while Madison Bringle has had some success, 33 and 32 in her career in grass court matches, I don't believe, or maybe, I think she's made one round of, or one round of 16 in her career at the Grand Slam. So this is her opportunity to go for number two. But I just don't think she's got the power of the weapons to hurt an informed Golovic who, you know, maybe you think 11-9 first round, does that tire her out? Well, it was 2-0 and against Collins. I think she's well-rested since then. You know, certainly for Brangle to come off that cannon win that's a bit of a come down you just have to amp yourself up so much when you're playing a top five seed at a slam Brangle was able to do it but certainly the follow-up performance always going to be interesting to watch I just favor Golubic in this matchup from a from a weapons perspective from just a point construction perspective and again the odds favor her as well minus 375 but you throw her into that parlay with Rabakina things get interesting and just to juice them up a little bit more I've seen what I need to see from Iga Sviantek, minus 530 tomorrow over Bagu. And, you know, it's worth reminding everyone, Sviantek, former junior Wimbledon singles champion. So she has competed at this uh, event and on this surface in particular, the Wimbledon grass before. I think she's looked more and more comfortable in her first two matches. was a great win for her over Zvonareva in straight sets in round two. I don't think Bagu's going to provide that sort of competition. I think Sviantek gets through this one comfortably. And again, Rabaka minus 180 over Roger. Golubic minus 375 over Brangle, Sviantek minus 530 over Bagu. You get plus 136 odds overall. We're we're being cautious given it's a third round match, given things are always getting funky, but we're going to throw one unit on that to win 1.36. That's ace of the day number four. And again, to recap, we've got Korda minus 107 money line over Evans, one unit to win 0.94. We're also going to take the over two and a half sets in Steven Samsonova plus plus uh, 140.5 units to win 0.7. Over two and a half sets in Muguruza Jabour, plus 135.5 units to win 0.67. And then a Rabakina Golubic Sviantek money line parlay, plus 136, one unit to win 1.36. As always, I will remind all of you listeners, if you have missed out on any of the action at Wimbledon, you can catch up on it all on our website, crackrackets.com. Please, as always, like, rate, subscribe, review to this podcast, the Mini Break Podcast, our Cracked Interviews podcast as well. If you need the more immediate updates, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, we are at Cracked Rackets. You want to message me directly, I'm at Great Chef Pod. A shout out, as always, to our super producers, Max Fligner and Daniel Westa for the f- of an editing job they do day in, day out. A shout out as well to our friends at Turn of Tennis. Remember, it's 800-554-3707 or sales at uniquesports.com. With that in mind, for my wonderful super producers, Sligner and Westoff, our friends at Turn of Tennis, and for all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You know what we say. Hey, great shot, and may the odds be ever in your favor. Good luck, everyone. Thank you. 
Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at newbalance.com. 